They keep asking who I am, I just tell them I'm a Christian Occupation, a description, I just tell them I'm a Christian Nationality, ethnicity, I tell them I'm a Christian Keep the hyphens in division, I just tell them I'm a Welcome Christian Welcome back to the Savage Truth Podcast, this is Pastor Roy Just wanted to thank you for joining us uh, with some of the bonus content We're starting to add um, some sermons and different discussions um, as bonus content as we go through some of the episodes and seasons, especially different opportunities I have to speak uh, around the country. So just wanted to share this message with you. This is a another message um, that dif- that definitely has different examples and a different approach. Um, still talking about how our uh, reward uh, lies in our worship based on uh, the temptation of Jesus in the in the wilderness. So this is at um, a church in uh, in Charlotte, South, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So take a slightly different approach with the message. Um, I hope you joined us for the last one. If not, uh, this will be new to you. Um, if if you actually listen to the last message that was recorded at a, a church in uh, in New Jersey, you'll hear some of the same themes, but definitely some some different approaches and some additional insight um, that God provided just in the way that uh, I delivered that message. So again, hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining the Savage Truth Podcast. God bless you. Uh, continue to support, share, like, subscribe. Um, and, you know, always check out RoyDockery.org for more information, more details and any ways that you can support the ministry and just uh, free resources, uh, books for free, music for free. And always feel free to contact us. Thank you. Good morning. Everyone can be seated. How are y'all doing today? Yeah. See, y'all didn't, y'all, y'all didn't say it like you mean. I said, how are y'all doing today? I know we just worshiped for an hour and a half, but that's what we came here to do, right? That's it's it's interesting. I enjoy I enjoy that immensely. The the one thing you know, I gotta watch myself sometimes, Auntie, because like I love singing worship as well. And then when I gotta preach after worship, sometimes I sing my voice away. So I gotta be cautious. So I gotta sit over there like, all right, calm down now. Don't be singing the whole song with everybody. You you gotta you gotta get into this word. Um, I wanna just thank my aunt and Kingdom Builders for inviting me here today. I drove down. I live in Delaware, so. We drove, me and my brother drove down yesterday from uh, from Delaware. He was a judge at the, uh, the film festival here in Charlotte. Uh, so I lined that trip up with my aunt and said, um, you know, I've got, a, I've got a word, I've got a message that, that God put on my heart almost three years ago. And it's just kind of been sitting and stirring. And so last week I preached a, a message on the same topic in New Jersey on Sunday. On Friday I was preaching a message um, in, um, in, uh, Maryland. And so, and I, I think I preached this message in Colorado, but the crazy thing is like, every time I get ready to preach a message, God keeps like, okay, let me, let me tweak it a little bit for you. And I'm like, okay, Jesus. So I was on my way back from New Jersey last week. And the crazy thing is God gave me what the end of this message was supposed to look like before I started, before I started thinking about the beginning. Wow. So that was a new one for me. Cause he was like, yeah, this is what you got to do at the end. And I'm like, I've never started at the end. And work their way back to the beginning. But um, let's just start with prayer real quick. Devilly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for every opportunity you provide where I can stand before your people and and proclaim your gospel. God, I am nothing. God, I am simply dirt with your breath. God, I am simply the product of your grace. God, I am simply just standing here because of your love, God. So I thank you. And I adore you, Father. Allow your word to go forth, God. Allow hearts to be uh, hearts to be healed, God. Allow ears, God, to be open. Allow eyes to be open, God. Allow our vision to be clearer when we leave here on today, God, that we will know how to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The name of this message is Your Reward Lies in Your Worship. So my, my, you know, Apostle G messaged me and she said, well, I'm a, the, the, for family and friends day, we're going to do glory to glory. And I was like, okay, because that, that gave me a little bit more context. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions that I think I know the answers to. Like who in here is ready to be in place to receive the blessings of God promised in his word? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. So we got that. So who's ready to move to the next degree of glory that God promises through his grace? Raise, raise your hand. Okay. So we're all on the same page that we want the rewards from God that he promises through his word, right? Because when we look at Luke chapter six, verse 23, it says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven for so their teacher, for so their fathers did to the prophets in Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive 
what is promised. Right in Colossians, one of my favorite, I actually leave this scripture on every tip that I leave on a receipt. Because I travel a lot around the country and I, I leave, I just put Colossians 3.23 on a receipt because it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. But then verse 24 says, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Right. So when it comes to when it comes to the glory, when it comes to the rewards, like we have to understand that our reward lies in what we choose to worship. Right. We we've been here and I, and, I, and I love the worship that's been on the board the whole time. And the sign right there has got Christ in it. And we've been talking about God. We talk about Jesus. We're talking about what it is. Right. Because the Bible, the story of the Bible, the message of the Bible, the promises in the Bible are for those who worship God. Right. So sometimes we want to read the book and listen and, and, and think about the reward, but we don't want to focus on who we're supposed to be worshiping to receive it. See, your reward lies in what you worship. Yes, that's right. That's good. So, so since, you know, some, some faces is, you know, it's, it's, it ain't that early, Maureen. So if we almost afternoon time, I don't know what time everybody had breakfast because I, I don't want nobody to lose energy, right? So I'm going to just go to God's word. Like, a lot of times we read the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And I've read it a lot of times. I've studied Matthew several times. And then when I was going through this message, my message was originally based on Exodus and Moses going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go so that they may worship me. And I referenced a scripture from Matthew, but then God kind of redirected it and said, no, I need you to show them something from this story about worship. So in Matthew chapter four. If we go to verse 1, I'm going to go to verse 11. It said, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him again, right, you're not getting it again. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. I heard some reactions. The interesting thing about that story at the beginning, when you look at verse one, was that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So, so, so God told him to walk, the spirit of God told him to walk into the temptation. Because this was before, right? Chapter four is the temptation. Chapter five, Jesus gets to preaching, right? So before I'm going to put you on a platform, I got to test to see what you're going to worship. Right? Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to have his humanity tempted to see if he would worship in spirit and in truth. Like we've talked about and, and, and sung about multiple times this morning or worship the desires of his carnal nature. See, Jesus is both fully God and fully human. Satan was not tempting God. Satan knows who God is. Understand that he knows who God is and he knows that God is in Jesus. He understands this. He knows who Jesus is. He's tempting his flesh. He's tempting his carnal nature. Right. So that means we can worship through our carnal nature and we can worship through our spiritual nature. John chapter four, verses 23 and 24 says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. The for the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. 
And those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Right. Jesus was tempted to meet his physical needs when he was at his weakest. Right. Jesus had his pride as a human tempted. This is the crazy thing now that you got to understand. Satan used the word of God to tempt Jesus by using God's word out of context to try to get Jesus to do something other than what God said. Proverbs 26, 28 says a lying tongue hates its victim and a flattering mouth works ruin, right? He was saying, isn't this what it says about you? Won't he send his angels to stop you from hitting your rock and stone? Just jump, just jump off. He wasn't lying. That is written. But he said, don't, don't, don't put my father to the test, right? He was tempted with all the rewards of this world and every carnal pleasure. There are a lot of promises and rewards in God's word that we like to lay hold to and claim without understanding that God's promises are reserved for those who worship him. But the interesting thing is, and we just read it in in verses eight and nine, God is not the only entity in the rewarding business. Verse 8 says from Matthew 4, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He could do that. He wasn't lying. He literally was like, I run all of this and I'll give it to you if you bow down and worship me. (laughs) How many of us would really look at this entire world and not bow down and worship? He just took him up on a mountain and look, now we got social media. We looking at, I told, when I did the sermon before, I said, we we covet people's vacations. Sure wish I was at the beach. Hashtag relationship goals. Hashtag vacation goals. You know what I mean? Marriage goals. He just took him to a mountain and showed him a city. Now we look all over the world and we're like, man, I want God to give me that. But some of that belongs to the other rewarder. Right. The word used in chapter nine, when it says, if you will fall down and worship me, right, is the Greek word pito, which means to prostrate oneself before to die, to become inadequate, to be destroyed by, to die to. He basically said, make yourself less than me and I will give you everything. Bow down, lay down, lay prostrate before me. Die to. What's the other scripture where we're being commanded to die? Isn't that Jesus? When he said, take up your cross and die and follow me. Right. So that means even Jesus said there's one way to worship. And Satan is like, nah, you can bow down over here too. But I'm not asking you to die every day. He is. The Bible is the story of God's promises to those who worship him and how we continually fail to do so. But yet God is still so gracious that he not only sacrificed himself in the flesh as the payment for our sins, but he gave us the Holy Spirit so we can worship him in truth. Right? Edifices, buildings have been built for the purposes of worshiping men, doctrines, traditions, emotions, amusement, prosperity, creation, and even blatant false gospels. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three says, for the time is coming. Right. We all know this one. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering into myths. Accumulate. That means it ain't gonna be a couple of people false teaching. Accumulate. Make a pile of big. It ain't gonna be sporadic. It ain't gonna be spotty. You can see an accumulation. That's where rivers and lakes and oceans come from. It's an accumulation of drops of water. So you're gonna be able to start to see the way all these things manifest and accumulate. And then you're gonna be like, how are these, how are people listening to this? I'm not the only one like that see these Facebook videos and I'm like, you just did what? Like, where is that? Where is that in the Bible? 
Right. But the thing that's happened is when it when we talk about who do we worship, do we worship God? Right. Do we worship God in spirit and truth or do we have a perverted sense of worship? Right. What we do now is we find churches where we are not offended or challenged or disciplined or critiqued. We want to show up, show off, show face. And it's crazy because you just said it this morning. We want everybody else to stay out of our business. Even the people who are supposed to be leading you. Right. The Bible says mind your own business. It don't say you ain't held accountable to people who could see your business and know you ain't doing what God told you to do and be like, mm, you should change that. That's called accountability, right? Like, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. But I'm going to try to find somewhere that's big enough where I can slide into the back. Don't nobody know if I came to church or if I missed it. You know, because I'm like, I love saying this. Like, I can see everybody face in here. I know if you're sleeping on your phone, paying attention, not paying attention. I know every single face. Because all I got to do is look around the room. Right? Like, if this was, if you were in the balcony, you could be in the back, sleep, watching Netflix. I don't know what you're doing. You could just be attending church. Right? So we, we tend to blend in. We tend to kind of just kind of fall to the back and say, I can come. But, like, I don't have to submit myself to what the purpose of the church is supposed to be, which is to grow and present everyone mature in Christ. So if I can show up and I, I can satisfy and check that box as a work that I need to complete as a Christian, but I don't really have to participate and grow and be discipled, then I can just go on about my business. The church is no longer looked at as a place of worship because we have traded reverence for entertainment and coddling the human ego. We have traded reverence for entertainment and coddling the human ego to increase attendance and keep money in the offering plate. The word worship is defined as adoring reverence or regard. Adoring reverence or regard. We have perverted worship. I'm going to give you three reasons how so that you can relate to it because everybody's like, what does he mean? I'm going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, like, the, I, I wrote a book last year um, that, that went along with one of my albums because anyone who's seen me here before, I do Christian hip-hop. I've done that for 18 years all over the country. Um, and it was called The Savage Truth. And it's, and it's just funny because, like, every time, and, like, I just started a podcast that I released last week. Um, and it's, like, I say stuff sometimes, and I, I expect people's response to be a certain way because uh, that's just how God made me. Um, I'm going to just tell the truth the way that I can find it, the like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I say anything that offends anybody. It's not, it's all love. Please understand if I say something you don't agree with, please feel free to come talk to me about it. I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that kind of person that's like, you know, it is what it is, right? So for me, like, I genuinely feel like God gives me a burden to share these things. And regardless of how it sounds, I have to say it. That's what I mean by savage. Like, I can't tame Right. Like savage just means uncivilized or untamed. Right. So I can't if God gave me something like a lot of times God to tell you something to sell, tell somebody and you nice it down. But then you but then you eliminate the impact of what God told you to say, because now you just said it in a nice way. Or you try to add some humor or you try to add some sarcasm. And now they're like, OK, yeah, that's cool. And they just keep on doing what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, we can't try to tame God's word. We can't try to tame what God gives us to speak. Like, we have to be untamed and uncivilized because that's what God commands us to do. So sometimes you got to be a little savage, right? So first point of how we've perverted, we've, we've perverted worship. Because we worship access. Number one. Point number one, we worship access. Technology has given us unprecedented access to information, insight, people's lives in a way that the world's never seen, right? We've got reality TV shows. We can live stream everything. We can eat dinner with people that we idolize, right? We can wake up and do morning devotionals with pastors who don't know us. Um, you know, right? We can, we can observe people eating breakfast and going for a walk and having conversations, having their thoughts throughout the day that they post and they share with you on social media. We become addicted to worshiping access. We're fanatic about TV stars, whether they're Christian or not. We're fanatic about our favorite singers, whether they're Christian or not. Right? And they're public figures. We're to the point that our ability to gain access 
into the false narratives of their lives that they project on social media, we've started to worship it. Right? Even as Christians, we will hang on to every word, post, podcast, blog, article, sermon of our favorite Christian leader. Right? We consume their opinion more than the word of God because we feel like we have access. Right? Like, I feel like I have access. Like, they're going to post something new today because I, last time I checked, the, 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 the word of God was a living word. I can pick it up every day, read what I read yesterday, and it's going to say something new today than it said yesterday. But, it's, but instead, y'all, everybody going after the prophecies in the post. What you got for me today? Go read your Bible. God got something for you every day. Always there. Go talk to him. But we worship access. The fact that we can see people, right? Think about the terminology we use. The terminology we use on social media is to follow. We literally stalk hundreds of people every day. What y'all doing? What you doing today? What they, will he get his wife for her anniversary? What they, what they doing for their birthday? How was they vacation? We just worship access. Like the fact that I can access you, you're somebody that I see as above me for some reason. You're somebody that you, you're somebody that I can see that I can look to, and then I worship that access. So right now, we wind up putting the access that we can get to other people, whether they're Christian, whether they're motivational speakers, whether they got a positive word, whether it's Ayanna Van Zandt or whoever it is. You know what I mean? If it's Oprah or whatever it is, it's like, well, I got access to Oprah. Oprah got a TV show every day. God ain't put out a TV show or a podcast since he finished writing the last book. But he don't need to. We worship access. Point one. Everybody with me on access, right? Especially, like I said, and that's crazy. You think about social media, we follow people. And the people that I follow, all of these devices use algorithms to feed me information that seems relevant. Not crazy to think how we're being programmed by what we follow by programs. Whether you want to call it Russia, Facebook, Amazon, whatever it is, like it's all a program. Like it is identifying. So if the things that hit your timeline are the things that are the most popular in the world, what are we rewarding? <laughs> why, why, we don't, why we don't share the videos of the local, the local church concerts, but we'll share the video when somebody big come through town? What are we worshiping? Did they serve a different God? Why does all the stuff that's normally not lined up with God's will go viral and we help it? Even when we complaining about it. Oh, look at this. This is trifling. You just add it to the algorithm. Now you putting that in somebody else's programming on their timeline. I didn't even know what you were talking about. Right? But we continue to feed into it because it's access. We get addicted to access. I, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, Maureen, because you know what? I hate commercials. I don't have cable in my house. I have what you call it. I got a wire-free house, right? I can watch any show anytime I feel like on any of like the nine TVs in my house. Uh-huh. Whenever I want to watch some, <laughs> cut it on. Then I pay a couple extra dollars, no commercials. If I feel like watching Seinfeld at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got access to Seinfeld. Right? But even that, we don't think about how that conditions us. The stuff that we like, the stuff that we want to consume, we can just go grab it and pull it all day and we get addicted to that access. We start to worship things that we can access. Second point, we worship association. We worship our marriages. We worship our children. We worship our race. We worship this country. We worship material things. And man, do we worship our favorite sports teams. Just and and this this number is always staggering to me. We spend fifty six billion dollars a year in the United States on sporting events alone. Fifty six billion dollars on sporting events. And we spend forty eight billion dollars on licensed merchandise. Not the knockoff stuff at the game. Not the knockoff stuff at home coming that's pressed up on a gilded shirt. I'm not talking about those. And I got plenty of them in my closet. I'm not acting like I ain't got Right? But I'm talking about licensed merchandise. I'm talking about jerseys and, and all this stuff being sold at Sports Authority and, and Dick Sporting Good and all the sports. $48 billion just on licensed sports merchandise. You can barely get people to buy a Christian t-shirt. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like you got 97 jerseys and one shirt that say I love Jesus. Like but it's the association. Like when I'm out in public and I see another Panthers fan. I live in I live in Delaware, so we got we got Ravens fans on one side of the state and Eagles fans on the other side of the state. Right? So you got that split, but like everybody relates because we're Eagles fans. Right? But even like I said, going back to the first part, like we worship our marriages. I, I always tell people, I, I love my wife. Right? I, I love my wife. I love I have three beautiful children. My wife is amazing, is the you know, one outside of God is the only reason I can do anything that I can do because she takes care of my family, she's taking care of them right now. Right? But happy wife, happy life does not exist in my home. Because I don't worship my wife. I worship God. Happy God, happy home. Right, let's, let's be real. Okay, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a go for the brothers right now. Right? I get tired of seeing men who work themselves to death because their wife won't stop spending money. But instead of, instead of coming into alignment and saying, look, baby, I love for you to have nice things. But maybe you don't need another one. Because now I got to go work overtime to pay off the credit card bill. You know what I mean? So your husband coming home and he's tired and he's frustrated and he already got to do more at a job that he doesn't like. You know what I mean? But it's because he's trying to make you happy. But what does he worship? Because is that how God tells us to spend our money? Right? Isn't stewardship a concept in the Bible that we're supposed to be taking care of our household? So if that comes into conflict with keeping my wife happy, and my wife is frugal, and I got my, my, my family back there, they know my wife. My wife is cheap. I got to make my wife buy something, That's a blessing. right? And that is a blessing. It's a blessing from the Lord. That's why my wife ain't had to work in 10 years. Because if she had a spending habit, she'd be at work. Because I ain't working two jobs. Lord's blessed me enough with one. If we can't make it with this, then we need to reevaluate some priorities. My wife, and, and I'll say this, my wife has been a stay-at-home mom since I was an E4 in the Navy making $37,000 a year. Don't tell me you can't do it. Because any two-income earning household made a lot more money than me, and we sure did stay home. And it benefited my children. It benefited I was able to go to school. I finished my degree. I finished another degree. I finished another degree. And now my wife ain't never going to have to work nowhere for anybody at any time for any reason. Right? Because she, was, she allowed me, right? Like God gave me a vision, and she, she played her position and allowed me to do what I was supposed to do. Right, but that but that left her probably not being happy at times. There was stuff she couldn't buy. There was stuff we we couldn't do. We couldn't go on vacations. We still don't go on vacations. We just canceled our vacation and take a mission trip to Montreal. Right, and my whole family was like, "Let's ride." Down to my two-year-old son was praying, like, "Daddy, let's go to let's go to Montreal." Right, because that's the alignment in our in my family, and that I really had to deal with that last year. God really convicted me, and He said, "You worship them more than you worship me." Because you're more worried about them, right? Every man in here is the same way. If something happened to my family, I'm going to kill somebody. Really? You're going to go against God's word if something happened to your family. So what do you worship? And it's a hard question to ask yourself. I still feel that way. I really do. But I really feel like if, the, if, if anything happens, and God forbid anything happens to my family, God is going to be like, come here. Right. And he'll deal with that. But in my own mind. Right. Like I start elevating them above God. Like, nah, God, if something happens to them, I got to put you down here and I got to retaliate. Like that's putting the worship in the wrong order, because if anything happens, I'm going to just come to you and bow down before you and say, God, what does this mean? Not try to take it in my own mind and in my own hands. Right. We worship our marriages. We worship our children. We worship our blackness. See, look, it got real quiet. See, I'm in, I'm in North Carolina now, so we can have this conversation, people. It's amazing to me that I will see black people who are supposed to be Christian take pictures and, like, advocate for, like, Louis Farrakhan and Muhammad Ali when they're Muslim. So is Malcolm X. Malcolm X was Muslim. Like, he's black, but he's Muslim. He don't believe what you believe. He doesn't believe in the God that you believe in. He doesn't follow the God that you follow. So you align yourself with him because he's black. What do you worship? Who do you worship? If you worship God, why would you align yourself with anybody who disagrees with the God that you claim to worship? Because if you worship God, that means you think Jesus died on the cross for your sins. If you're a Christian, a lot of people worship God. Let me be clear. 
If you are a Christian who believes that Jesus Christ died for your sins and is a part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then why would you align yourself and idolize people who contradict what you worship? Because we have a perverted sense of worship. Third point. We worship adoration. We worship attention, compliments, acknowledgement. We worship being liked. We worship being served. To the point that our fear of not being liked or adored stops us from sharing our faith. It stops us from engaging in worship. It stops us from being living examples of the gospel. Because we're afraid that someone may not like me. We leave churches because, you know, I leave the church because, you know, Maureen ain't responding to my text message fast enough. They see me, they see me on the Facebook. They saw my post. I know you saw my message. My phone said you saw my message. Right? Like, that's how we are now, right? Like, don't like somebody post. Oh, so you don't care that my kid got into it? Yes, God bless you. Like, I don't, I got to click like every time. Like, what's wrong with you? But that's how we are, right? Studies have actually shown, studies have shown. So serotonin is the happy chemical in your brain. Studies have shown that when people click like, right, there is a serotonin reaction. People, you actually, your brain likes people acknowledging your comments, your photos. There's the serotonin reaction. So your body actually gets addicted to the serotonin. So where now if I make a post and no one likes it, I don't get the serotonin trigger. Now I don't have the happiness driven by that like. And now I'm they actually people struggling from depression because of social media. What do you worship? If I, if I worship God, what do I really care about my Facebook profile? If I, if I worship God, what do I really care about what you think about my outfit? If I worship God, what do I think? You, you know what I mean? Like, why do I care? I ask my wife this question all the time. I'm like, why do we care? Why do we put so much effort into stuff that is not about living and spreading the gospel? Why do we put energy into stuff that is not about us worshiping God and showing the world how we worship God in unity? Why is that not always what we're thinking about? But it's because we don't, like, when you think about the way that they worshiped in the Old Testament, like, the amount of effort and order and programming, right, that you had to go through to worship God, and now he freely says, you have my son, you can worship me, and we choose to worship everything else. But the reason is we all have a hole in us that gives us a desire to be connected with something. Because that's how God made us, right? If God gives us his Holy Spirit when it was born again, that means we got a space for it, right? So on the spiritual side of us, there's always that longing for connection. But the way that we choose to fill that most of the time is by, find, is by connecting with people. So having access, we think physical connection will fill that void, right? Or we associate with things. We join organizations, fraternities and sororities and churches and everything else. And we think that'll fill that void, right? And then we get under the teaching of somebody and they tell us great things about ourselves. They tell us that we're going to be successful. They tell us that we're powerful in God. And then we think that's going to fill the void. And the whole time we're ignoring the fact that that void is pulling you to worship God. That's what it is. In everything that you do, right? Whether you're singing, whether you're working, if you're doing installations, if you cutting grass, if you playing the drums, if you making a film, if you running a business, if you if you cleaning up trash, it doesn't matter. Everything you do, do it as a reflection of worship to who you serve. Because the reality is, we can only serve one master. Right. Given our current culture, we can see the reward that we can see that the rewards that we have garnered for our perverted sense of worship. People have become elevated above God. Materials have been given more value than human life. And self obsession is now normal. Can you imagine if before Facebook, people sent you photos of everything they did? Like, you understand how crazy that is, right? Like, like remember getting photos in the mail? Like, you would, get, you would get one summary photo of everything we did this year, and it was in a Christmas card. Oh, my God. 
right? Like this has become normalized. And I'm not, and, I'm, and please stop, I'm not knocking it. I am on social media. I got link, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything. I'm an artist. I post concerts. I post everything else. But I also don't care what your response to them is. Right? I don't live and die. I'm going to share the message by any means possible. So if you want to see it on LinkedIn, if you want to see it on Twitter, if you want to check it out on my website, that's all fine and good. But I'm not sitting there after I make a post watching to see who's going to comment on it. Right? I'm not sitting there watching to see how many views it's going to get. I'm not sitting there watching to see how many people join. I don't care. I know who I worship. Your reward lies in your worship. Right. Just to go back to Exodus chapter um, chapter eight, chapter eight, verse one. Right. Moses said, go, you know, God told Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. That word worship in Hebrew means to send some translations actually say different. Some of them say, let my people go so they can worship me. Some translations say, let my people go so they can serve me. Right. The word worship used there in Hebrew actually means to serve, to toil, to work, accomplish, to urge to work or to take into service and worship. It's all of the above. Right. So it means to. But it doesn't mean to just worship by putting our hands up and singing. It means you got to put the work in. It means you got you, you got to put the work in. Right. Like. We a lot of times we'll read the story in Exodus and then we're like, OK, like how can like all the stuff that's going on? Right. Like how is Pharaoh not getting the point? Moses is going and saying, let my people go. But if you go back to chapter four, God told Moses, I've already hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He ain't going to listen to you anyway, but be obedient and go tell him what I said. And I'm going to relate that to in this situation. The world, I'm going to use the Pharaoh as the world, right? Pharaoh was the world that the Israelites were trapped in. The world is not going to make it easy for you to worship God. Their heart is already hardened towards them, towards him. The world, the, the world despises God. Why do we expect it to be easy? Why do we expect it to be easy to actually take our break at work to read the Bible? Why do we expect it to be easy to try to get to work without being angry because of the way that people drive? Why do we expect it to be easy? Right. For us not to get distracted. Why do we expect it to be easy for us not to get our to get lost in our focus? Like the entire point of this world. I had this discussion with a young brother who does a podcast. He talks about conspiracy theories and all kind of stuff. And I said, you do realize the entire purpose of everything in this world is to distract you from worshiping God. Everything in it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, just in case anybody don't believe what I just said, Matthew 6, chapter 24, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the another. You cannot serve God and money. We can't serve two masters. Right. You either serve God or you don't. But what does serving have to do? Remember, the word serve used in Exodus is the same word that's used for worship. What you serve is what you worship. What you're enslaved to, what is a master of you is what you worship, because what you are enslaved by. Right. It master slave. So if I am enslaved to debt, you worship it. That's it. You can't have two masters. That's it. You only can have one. So if something has you weighted down, if something is enslaving you, then what you're doing in that process and not say that you don't struggle and you don't fight. You're trying to break away from that so that you can be free to worship God because something over here is enslaving you. Something over here is holding you down. And God's word says you can't do both. So I can still be chained to debt over here and dragging it towards God. Because I'm not going to be a slave to this anymore. I'm going to worship you. So now let me change my mindset to focus on how I use my money according to God's word. How do I use my time according to God's word? What do I do with my life according to God's word? And stop being enslaved to all the stuff that people have put on us. All the stuff that the world has distracted us with. If God was standing here today or gave a message to a Moses-like person... <laughs> I think he would probably say these things. He would say, social media, let my people go so that they can worship me. 
He would say politics, let my people go. He would say nationalism and this whole my flag nonsense, let my people go. Materialism, let my people go. Addiction and depression, let my people go. So that they can worship me, so that they can serve me. See, a lot of times we want to come in here, we want to worship and we leave and we still go serve the world, not God. That is a part of worship. But you also got to serve because you show I worship you because you are my master. Right? I am enslaved to you. Worship is defined as adoring reverence or regard. What does revere mean? The word revere, and I love the way it's put. The word revere means respect tinged with awe. Tinged with awe. Like, think about the stuff we stand in awe of now. We stand in awe of the cars that people drive. We stand in awe of the size of their homes. We stand in awe of what they post on social media. We stand in awe of their their projected fake relationships. We stand in awe of the size of the church building. We stand in awe of the size of their following. Like, we stand in awe of all these things, right? And it's, again, awe tied with respect is worship. So if you are in awe of something, you might worship it. When we worship the world, we are rewarded with emptiness and a continual pursuit of more. When we worship God, we are rewarded with eternal freedom from captivity by his grace. God's first commandment was have no other gods before me. Right. We are infatuated with fame, wealth, Possessions, power, attention, because we worship people who do the same. Like I said, like I, I, I got I got a chance to go to Thailand. I, was, I went to Singapore and Thailand back in May. Thailand was a mission trip. Singapore was a work trip. And like I go to Thailand and there's this couple, Dina and Marty. And this couple, like, I don't know, 16 years ago, sold everything. Where I think youth pastors, I think they were youth pastors in Texas, but they sold everything and then spent 12 years in a Peruvian jungle spreading the gospel to people who they couldn't even talk the native language to. Then they did that for 12 years, right? Left, left South America and then went to Southeast Asia to another group of people whose language they do not speak and for four or five years have been out there trying to preach the gospel in a Buddhist country to people who don't even have a written language. The Isan people in Thailand have a spoken language. It's not even written. Why are those not the people we hear about? Why are their stories not the ones that are so popular? You know why? Because we don't worship people who live in a Peruvian jungle. We worship people who live in big houses and drive Lamborghinis. Because we don't want that. <laughs> right? We don't want that life. We're like, that's awesome. You should do that. Like, how... Right. Like that is literally like, you know, that's the rich young ruler. Sell everything and follow me. They were like, cool. Sold everything, sold their house. They said they went on their first mission trip. They had three foot lockers. Them, the husband, the wife and their and their adopted son. Three foot lockers. How many people in here would sell everything you have that couldn't fit in a foot locker and go follow Jesus? Right. See, the apostle Jesus. I didn't even raise my hand. Right. Because I'm being honest with myself. I'm, I'm right with y'all like I, I can't fit my shoes in a foot locker. You know what I mean? But like, that's how we got to be real. But like, what do we worship? Like, if God called me, though, I would go. If that's what God commanded me to do, I would go because I don't look to people who have things. I don't look to people who look successful. I don't look to people who look blessed. I told somebody the other day, anything that you think is a blessing that you can measure. If you think if you think your blessing got a price tag on it, unblessed people could buy it. If it's, if it's got a price tag, anybody can buy it. So I got a blessing in this Mercedes. I know a lot of people who don't believe in God that drive Mercedes. So I know pe- most of the people I know who have more money are the ones that don't believe in God. Right. If we look at the world, Jeff Bezos is worth one hundred and sixty billion dollars. Literally everything you could possibly fathom in your brain as a tangible blessing. He could buy with one percent of his money. I don't think he cares about God. 
right? Like, really, to think about it, like, you know, when we talk about our health, when we talk about our sanity, when we talk about miraculous things, God has given me new knees, God, new knees. God has saved my life. I have lupus, Maureen. That's why my hair fell out now. I'm tall, so most of y'all can't see it, but I'm going to share it with you. My hair fell out on the top, on the side. Just woke up one morning and it was gone. Tried to figure out what it was for months and months, and they were like, oh, it's just another, it's another version of your lupus. I have lupus. So I've had systemic lupus for years. Now I have discoid lupus that shows itself in actually destroying my skin. But the funny thing is when it happened, I just looked in the mirror, and I said, God, what are you trying to say? It's like, what are you, what are you trying to say? And what he said was, you're vain. Because you know what? You don't think you care what you look like till the side of your hair start falling out. And I just stood in the morning. I stood in the mirror and I said, you know what, God? You right. Took clippers and cut my head bald and said, now I ain't got to worry about it. Let's keep moving. Because that was really my concern. My concern wasn't even about my health. God gave me healing from lupus a long time ago. I got lupus. I don't take no medication. Do I look sick to you? No, but I got a spot. It don't hurt. It's not painful. I just woke up and the hair was gone. But that bothered me. Right? Because there was something I was used to. I don't think I'm handsome. I ain't Denzel. Like, that's just not how I am. But there is vanity in the fact that there's a certain thing that I'm used to, and I don't want that to change. But what if God changes it? What if God changes it? Now these spots in my head have become opportunities for me to share the gospel because people say, I don't want to be rude, but I kind of saw you had a thing. And I'm like, yeah, I got lupus. And they say, what you take for that? I say, Jesus. So you can use everything when it's dependent upon who you worship. Because when something happens, we say, God, why me? Instead of saying, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? Right? When we are sick, we worship health. Right? When you're sick, you don't want anything more than to get healthy. When we poor, we worship wealth. When you ain't got no money, you don't want nothing more than having some money. When we have low self-esteem, we worship vanity. When we are lonely, we worship relationships. When we are married, we worship freedom. When we struggle, we worship success. No matter what we do in life, we always still have that gaping hole that's saying there's something else that I need. There's something else that I desire. So even though this is the question that's prevalent in my mind, even if God answers that question for you, you still go go find something else to worship because you haven't learned to worship him. There will be nothing we can pursue, achieve, attain, accomplish that will fulfill the desire God placed on our hearts to worship him. When we set our hearts towards God and worship him, he will influence our style, our desires, our conversations, our consciousness, and our communities. Do we worship him? Do we worship God's grace that sacrificed his son for our salvation? Do we worship the gift of faith that gives us a heart of flesh and removes the heart of stone? Do we worship the creator of the universe for the beauty of his creation? Do we worship God Do we worship the Holy Spirit? Do we worship Jesus? Or do we worship ourselves? Do we worship our families, our possessions, our pastimes, our careers? Romans chapter 1, verse 22 to 25 says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up and their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We worship access. We worship association. We worship adoration. And that's a perverted sense of worship. Can, Maureen, can you get the phone from my aunt? Because this is the part of my sermon that I was told to do before and then had to figure out how it was going to end at such a place. So you can come here, Apostle G, please. Some of you worship her. Come on now, And you need to stop. That's true. 
One of, the, one of the issues with having leadership above you, especially people who speak prophetically in your life, especially people who speak to all the brokenness that you've experienced, people who can tell you things about yourself that you've never shared, who can speak into your life the way that no one, instead of you agreeing with what they say and going to the God that sent them, you start following them. And the crazy thing is that becomes a burden to them, not you. Because now when she don't answer the phone, now when she's out of town, now if she's busy or if she's sick, I'm going to give you the main symptom of whether or not you worship the person that, you, that, that you're under as your, as, your, as your apostle, as your pastor. If you don't pray for them, you probably worship them. Because I, I don't pray for God. I pray to God. God don't need my prayers. Right? But if you're only, if you're not praying for the person who's supposed to be your shepherd, if you're not praying for the person you're supposed to be under, it's actually more than likely that you worship them. So you want to pray to them. You want to call them constantly. And so he told, God told me that and he gave me that message. And it was crazy because all, like, I'm, I'm the eight hour drive. I had a long time to drive here yesterday. And I'm like, what in the world, Jesus? Uh, how is this supposed to go? And I woke up at 7 o'clock this morning, and God said, Jonah. And I said, okay. So I, I went, and I was reading the book of Jonah. And it was crazy because one thing, prophecy can be spoke to people who aren't even following God. Number one. True. Just because a prophet speaking into your life don't mean your life is together. That's right. Jesus, come on. Right? It's, it's not the word of the prophecy that's responsible for driving you to repentance, right? If you look at the story of Jonah, and please go read chapter 3, the only thing Jonah said to the Ninevites is, in 40 days you will be overthrown. But the conversation that God had with Jonah, God told Jonah what was wrong with the Ninevites. Right. Come on, come on. That's not what he said in the prophecy. That's true. They're not going to come to you and tell you everything that's broken. They're not going to come. It's not their responsibility. Their responsibility is to give you the word that God gave them for you. Then you agree with God because God knows what's broken in your life. God knows what you're struggling with. Right. When the Ninevites repented, what were they repenting from? 40 days was coming. No, they knew they were horrible people. They knew they were violent. They knew they were broken. They believed what God said about them, even though Jonah didn't say it because God had already told them. That's it. Right? Repent is to turn away from and toward a new target. Like everybody wants the reward. Everybody wants the everybody wants the, the, the benefit of the prophecy, of the prophetic, but don't nobody actually want to worship God. People don't want to turn and repent. Like you gotta repent and be following God. When she gives you a word, this is funny. This is this is what's funny, Auntie. I was reading, you go to chapter four, right? She gives somebody a prophecy, right? She speaks into somebody's life, and then she go on about her business, and then everybody following her. What would have happened to Nineveh if they followed Jonah? Jonah had an attitude at a booth on the outside of the city, just looking like, hmm. Can't believe you did that. Just because she got to share something don't even mean she like it. Right? Like, you start following the people giving you the word instead of turning to God like the Ninevites did. The Ninevites, they didn't even know where Jonah went. They didn't even see what side of town he left. They just was like, where the king at? We got to get to the head. Somebody, people started ripping all the poles in the street. Was like, no, this ain't going to happen. Where the king? Like, I got to get to the king. Like, we got to, and it got all the way up to the king. Right before, before Jonah could get out the city, the word had already got to the king. They have text messages. This ain't going viral. People literally started running all over the town and was like, we need to do something. And the prophet went on about his business. The people responded to God. They said, in the, the Bible says they believed God, not Jonah. The message was from Jonah. That's it, right? And then you guys put, like, people, you, you wind up putting burden. And the reason is you have access to her. You got access to Maureen. You got access to Sister Adrian. You got access. You got their phone numbers. You got their email addresses. You can text them. You can call them. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. But you should ultimately be looking to the God that they follow, not looking to them. Because it's a burden on them. Right? Like, they got to carry that burden now. 
every time you bring them something new. They got to carry that burden now. They got to keep trying to speak to God for you because you won't go speak to God on your own behalf. Like, you have to grow. You have to develop because if not, they just got to keep working and working and working and working and working. They got their own reward that they need to receive. They can't always be trying to facilitate yours. And that's what we want people to do. It was like, you can hear from God. Look, can you ask him a question for me? Like, look, I already did this. Can you? I told you what he said. If you got a follow-up question, please follow up with God. Right? You should always be, like, it should be you. They should be speaking into you something that confirms what you believe God has said. Right? And then once you've got that, look to God and not them. They got to be able to go and grab the new people. They got to be able to go into the communities. They got to be able to go speak. Like if they're constantly consumed by people who appreciated the word, right? But again, they have access. You said something loving about them. It was adoring. You encouraged them. You spoke to something that they were were struggling with. You spoke to something that they were hurting. And so now they adore you. They have access to you. They can associate with the church. And then people, worship starts drifting. Because that's the main sim- and, and I'm sitting here through worship. I can hear everything she said. It's worship God. Worship God. Praise him. Praise him. Worship God. She's singing it to you. So I'm going to be a little bit more direct. I'm going to say it to you. Stop worshiping your leaders. Honor them. Respect them. Pray for them. If you're not praying for them, if you're praying to them, that is the main sign that you got that you worship in the person that you're under, whether it's in this house or in another house. If somebody on Facebook, if it's on a podcast, because I got a microphone on, like whatever it is, if you're not actually praying for the people that lead you, that means somehow you feel like they don't need it. When it's you multiplied by everybody else, you know how crazy you are. Multiply that by everybody else. Like they need some prayer. They need some help. And you know what that help is? Then you grow and you develop and you get your gifting and you do what God called you to do. Now people calling you instead of calling her. Now you become the buffer. Now they can equip the body for the work of the ministry instead of having to try to do all of the ministry. And people are ministering to each other and people are praying for each other and people are holding each other accountable. It's not like, hey, I saw such and such doing such and such. Can you talk to him for me? You talk to him. Ain't we the body? Right, but we can't, and it's and it's na- and it's crazy. It's natural because we have that void in us. But the the crazy thing about it is that when we talk about access, when we talk about association, when we talk about adoration, right? When it comes to, to access, God is always present. So there is nothing, no one, no person who can follow you closer than God. Right. When it comes to association, what better kingdom, what better organization is it to be associated with than the redeemed of Jesus Christ who have an inheritance of eternal life? Like what better association can you have? Like if I wasn't wearing this suit right now, I have on a shirt like my brother that says I'm a Christian. I wrote a song called I'm a Christian because I'm like, I don't. That's what I want you to see when I'm around. That's I want you to know who I follow everywhere I go. Right? Like, that is, that is what I represent. It doesn't matter what my occupation is. Like, if you want to start a conversation with me, let's talk about Jesus. Right? What better association can we have? And then when it comes to adoration, right, God gave us the Holy Spirit. God gave us the fruits of the Spirit. You want somebody to like a pulse when God promised you peace. You want somebody to comment on your picture when God promised you joy and self-control. You want somebody to calm you down because you're having a bad day. The Spirit of God will calm you down. You want, oh, somebody get me before I go off. The Spirit of God said he gives you gentleness and kindness. Why? I told somebody, I said, we need some fruit emojis on social media. When anybody asks me how I'm doing, I'm doing fruitful. That's how I'm doing. Just sprinkle some fruits. You figure out which one, depending on what I just said. Might be peace, might be some love in there. I don't know. It's just fruits of the spirit. But like, these are the things that we should be seeking. Like that adoration, like God, Jesus said, it's better that I leave because I send you a comforter. 
right? Like he sent us all the adoration we need. All we got to do is just let him keep filling up those holes. We got to let him keep getting to our hearts. We got to keep breaking down the things that separate us from him, right? We got to repent and turn away. Like we've got to continue to focus the worship on worship him. We got to tear down the other idols in our life. We got to tear down the things that we worship. We got to tear down the things that we're enslaved to. Right? Like I got a mortgage. I can't just up and go do whatever I want to do. I got to pay my mortgage. Right? So that means I got to go to work because I got to earn this much money to pay that much mortgage. Like when you look at it down to that level, like can you really freely operate in God the way you want to? Right? That's why you, you, you collect offering. Every, that's what everybody's counting. I understand the logic of it. There's only like there's only so much money you can give before you go in the negative because there's already stuff you're indebted to. But how much of the debt we have is unnecessary? You know what I mean? Like, how many of us own cars that are above our pay grade? How many of us live in homes that are bigger than we need? Like, how many of us buy stuff that we don't really need? And I'm, and I'm, I'm guilty. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be honest. Like, I got lots of shoes. I posted a picture the other day. Like, I collect Converse. I said, I still got proof of my idolatry right here. It's in the closet. I ain't bought none in a while. You know, I'm like, you know, eight months sober or something off of Converse. I don't know how to call it. But right, it's not a matter because it's a continuing process. We persevere to the end. But when you acknowledge anything that is becoming an obstacle for you being fully capable of being free to serve God, you have to tear it down and give it to him. Right? So you may not have a financial problem. You may not be in debt. But what do you do with your money? Are you using your money to worship God? I'm like, everybody pray for a bigger house. You won't let the person you know struggling come stay in your guest room now. How is the bigger house going to give God glory? How is the new car going to give God glory? You praying for a new car, you won't give somebody a ride to church now. But what do you worship? That doesn't mean God can't give you things. That doesn't mean that God can't bless you. But that means God wants you to use it for his glory. God wants you to use it to show you worship him. So if you've got extra money, if you've got a car, if you've got a home and whatever else, like both of my cars have been rear-ended and damaged in the last like month and a half. Both of my cars. Right? Like, and it's just like, whatever. Like my brother drives my car every day. And that was the struggle for me. Like when he came, he came to stay with us. I'm like, I don't really, people don't drive, my wife don't drive my car. You know what I mean? But it literally, and the crazy thing is like, I had just paid it off. I had the title in my hand, put it in my safe. And then I gave him the keys. It was like, go, drive whatever you want to. Even when he got rear-ended, his, the car got rear-ended while he was driving it. And I'm like, and it's crazy. I had told him, I said, he was like, you, he, he hates when I do this. But I said, look, I hate to tell you this, but something bad going to happen to you in my car. So just look out. And he was like, really? Negro, you just going to tell me? He was like, what's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell you. That's not, that's not what was what was given to me, but I'm, I was sitting in my office, minding my business, and clear as day, God was like, put him on your insurance. Wow. I made the cook, I'm not like literally that day, I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you're gonna be fine, but trust me, car gonna get messed up while you in it. I don't care about the car though. And then it happened. Everything was fine. Now I got a new paint, you know, a new coat of paint on my car. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? But it was confirmation. It was like, you really don't care? Let me, let me see if you don't care. Let's crumple up. The car that you like so much that you paid for, right? It's, who cares? Right? He pulled the woman out of the car and probably helped save her life. Like, I drove all the way up there just so we could pray at the scene of the accident. Like, I don't care about this stuff. I thank God that I have it, but I use it to worship him. I drove eight hours down here in that car that he gave me. God gave me a car. When people ask me to come preach, you know what I do? I get in it and I go where he asked me to go. Because if he gave me the car, I can go. I got the gas, I can go. Right? Because I worship God. Like, we have to make that our priority. Right? And we have to continue to search ourselves. We have to continue to grow and say, okay, what am I putting before God? What am I, what am I not willing to let go of? What am I tied to? What am I enslaved to? And just start breaking it down. And I promise you it is easier than you think it is. Because as soon as you recognize it, God gives you that comfort and was like, thank you. Thank you. I got you now. Right? Like, okay, you recognize that. You recognize the problem with cars. Like, I used to collect watches. And one day God was just like, stop. <laughs> it's like, stop. 
I sold all the watches and donated the money to my nonprofit. Like that. Haven't had a desire to buy another one. I support one watch company and it's got the number seven on it that represents completion. And it's a black guy that opened a company down in, in Portsmouth, Virginia. Right? He supports my ministry. He's donated to my nonprofit. Wonderful young brother. He's the sponsor of my podcast. Only watch I wear. A Christian watch. Everything else gone. Because it doesn't matter. Like, continue to focus on him and God will give you that conviction. And when he gives you that conviction, right, the worship him means to respond by serving him. It means to respond by working on it. It means to respond by reacting to it. Because we die to what we worship. Remember, Satan said, bow down and worship me. Lay prostrate before me. Make yourself inadequate before me. Die to me. But Jesus said the same thing. So who are we choosing to worship? We either die and pick up our cross, or we make ourselves less than Satan and accept the carnal pleasures of this world. What God has as a reward is eternal, and we already know what it is. And the victory is already won. He's already sitting there waiting to represent us, be on our behalf, and count his righteousness to us. Like, that is done. Everything else you rolled in the dice. So I thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to come. I just want to continue to encourage everybody to worship. If we could all stand to our feet, please. They keep asking who I am. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Occupation, a description. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Nationality, ethnicity. I tell them I'm a Christian. Keep the hyphens in division. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Christian. Christian.